Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shani Silver. I started this podcast because whenever I saw content for single women, it was about dating, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I know that we deserve more than that. So I created this podcast to change the way being single is seen, discussed, and felt. And I'm so happy to have you here with me. I hope you'll also consider joining the Facebook group for this podcast. It's become a really supportive community full of people sharing stories and encouraging one another and actually meeting up in real life too. There are three main ways that you can support this podcast. The first is simply share it. Share it with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Anybody who could use a change in perspective when it comes to being single. The second way is you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It takes two seconds and it's a huge deal that really helps podcasters um, get more visibility and continue to do their work. And then the third way is you can become a patron of mine on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that helps independent creators earn money for creating the work that people enjoy. So there are multiple tiers that you can join, but my favorite one is a $5 tier that comes with an extra bonus episode of this podcast every single month. So there will be a link to it below. Check it out. And in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, my lovelies, we are in week eight of not leaving the house very much. And I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and healthy. Not going to lie. Sometimes I have great days and sometimes I sort of lack motivation to wash my own face. That's just... That's just kind of where we're at right now. Um, But today's episode is fantastic. I am chatting with the lovely ladies behind the 51 First Dates podcast. I was actually on their podcast once also, and I will link to that in the show notes if you'd care to listen to that. Um, But I wanted to have them back on my podcast because it's just an excuse to hang out with them more. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, They're very cool and they're they're very, um, very much like us and of the same mindset that, that I am around singlehood and, and partnership and stuff like that. Um, so it's a great conversation. And um, obviously, we get into some quarantine stuff. Um, but in general, um, as always, thank you guys for your support of this podcast. Thank you for leaving ratings and reviews for it, especially now. Um, it's, it's definitely a uh, noticeable <laughs> the drop in people commuting is is definitely uh hurting podcasters so i really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast sharing it and leaving ratings and reviews that's really helpful for the growth of this podcast and um a massive massive thank you to everyone who is a patreon patron because you guys are literally why i get to keep doing this so thank you for your support of my work um and uh know that you are very very loved and very appreciated i will have a link to my patreon in the show notes as well if you would like to consider supporting your podcast host that would be that would be swell um and of course get in the facebook group hang out with us post pictures of your pets your plants what you're baking i don't care it's all welcome and um i'm gonna quit rambling because i are words harder for you to form during quarantine, I'm finding that I'm losing words. Like I had to Google the word doesn't the other day. What is that about? I don't, I don't know what that was about. Um, but in general, everything is fine and safe and healthy. And um, I mean, my hands are super dry from all of this endless hand washing, but I'm working on it. Um, I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast and for supporting it. Um, it's not going anywhere. So um, enjoy this discussion with the ladies of 51 First Dates. 
Okay, just kidding. One more thing I want to tell you guys about before I start the episode. So my friend Jamie, who I don't know if she listens to this podcast because she's married, but she's cool as hell and she's a friend of mine from Chicago and she last week invited me to what I thought was one of the coolest Zoom party ideas for quarantine times ever. Like I would do this shit after quarantine too. This is so cool. She has, um, I forget what exactly what she calls it, but essentially like she gets a group of people together and everyone creates a PowerPoint presentation, like a five minute PowerPoint presentation on any topic they want, literally anything. And then you present it to the rest of the group. And obviously like everyone's like drinking or having dinner together, whatever, but like it literally any topic you want. I, my first initial, um, plan for my presentation was going to be uh, like a brief history of sequins, which I thought was really fun until I did the research and I was like, I'm bored by this. So they're going to be bored by this. So the title of my presentation that I'm going to be giving as I record this intro, it's Saturday. So I'm doing this tonight. As you hear this, it's Monday, but the title of my presentation is, um, memoirs of famous women with brown hair, because I found myself reading lots of those lately. So I'm going to do a presentation of like five or six books that I've read recently that are all written by famous women with brown hair because that's just fun and I had a great time making it. So if you need a, like a Zoom party idea for quarantine, get your friends to each create five minute PowerPoint presentations on literally any topic they can pull out of their ass. Like it's going to be so fun. I'm so excited for this and I thought you guys might like that idea too. Now I'm serious. I will start the episode. It's a twisted exercise. One of my best friends um, was alone in her apartment. And she eventually went to quarantine at her parents' house, but because she was in New York and then left, she stayed in their basement for like 21 days. They brought her food. They were using paper plates. They were being super careful, but she posted an Instagram story the other day of the first time she hugged her mom. And I wept and I was watching it on the toilet and I was crying. And there I was just on the toilet, watching it, crying. Like it's, this is a sick experiment in like, what happens to people crying on the toilet is such a mood (laughs) i know no bra tears toilet what's a bra what is a bra this thing i'm wearing right now have you heard of nudie n-u-d-i-i no i've seen it it's a kickstarter bra and i'm using air quotes for those who can't see me it's a suggestion of fabric that lightly cradles your boobs. It, you can't tell you're wearing it. It, do, it gives you zero support whatsoever. It just feels like a step up from being braless and like 10 steps below an underwire. It's a very odd garment that I hated when it first came in the mail. But after quarantine, I was like, let's give this bad boy a shot. And now I wear it every day. I will admit that I'm braless right now and I would feel more appropriate were I wearing something like that level of fabric. Um, apologies, friends. It's ju- no, please. Oh my God, please don't wear a bra to my podcast. I actually require <laughs> that people take them off before we begin recording. But this <laughs> is just enough, just enough bra to go downstairs and get the mail. That's all this bra is. And they didn't sponsor this podcast, nor will they ever after they hear the way that I've talked about their bra. <laughs> it's, it's all that's going on right now. Um, I don't believe in bridling during these times. Yeah. You just need one extra layer of fabric between your nipples and the world, I feel. Yeah. Wearing some very, I I have large boobs. It's not a bride because they're very saggy and I dislike them, but it's hard for me to find, like no bralettes work for me, but I've been wearing them even though, yeah, they don't do anything. They don't lift anything and my boobs are still chilling pretty low. They're out of frame. (laughs) But Yeah. I have two bras from The Gap in my shopping cart right now because The Gap discounts 
are so low, they're almost paying you to shop there. And I've just been thinking like, do I actually buy a bra during quarantine time? Is that the dumbest thing anyone's ever done? Because it's not, I don't buy real bras. I buy like just a bralette or like something like that. No, no underwire has crossed this threshold in years. But I'm like, maybe I should just try it. I say it to you because it looks like it can do some work. It doesn't look like a flimsy bralette from free people. This looks like a real piece of equipment. I will report back. All right. Um, I did make a list of questions to ask you. I don't know how much I'm going to stick to it, but we can, we can give it a shot. Um, maybe, here's, maybe here's a great place to start. Who are you? Tell people who both of you are and what you do. Kimmy, you want to take it? Oh, sure. I know. I was just like cheering at Liza. You know, it's never a smooth pitch. Um, me, Liza and myself have been friends for a very long time. We used to produce video together. Um, and we, a few years ago, started a podcast called 51 First Dates. Uh, it is about many things. And it's wild that I still stumble over this this far into it. But basically, we can get into it more. But I went on a whole bunch of dates that we talked about anonymously in an effort to shake up my life, greater than dating life, I would say, and change some habits. And yeah, we can get more into it. But I feel like that's really the thing. Yeah. And, you know, Kimmy felt that she, it was a suggestion. Kimmy and I shared the same therapist for a long time, which is a whole other separate story, but our therapist had told her, you know, had challenged her to get out of some bad habits, like she said, and suggested that she go on a hundred first dates and that was too many. And so we cut it in half and that was a rom-com. And so we added one and that's 51. to give our, that is our whole podcast. We are just fucking figuring it out. Can I swear? Please. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, I love when people ask. It's the it's the highlight of my recording because it, I think that it's the podcast equivalent of asking someone if you have to take off your shoes when you go in their apartment. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. 100%. But um, our, just to give our therapist a little additional credit, she wasn't like, go on 100 dates because you must have a relationship. She was like, you complain about dating, so clearly it's important to you, and you don't date the way other people do. Like, what if you went on 100 dates? I just wanted to caveat that because she is – Liza still sees her. I don't because I'm in LA now, but I miss her. I want to call her. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. And I like that she sent you a challenge and I like the impetus for that challenge. I think I have, I don't have to, there's like no need in me to go on a bunch of dates, but the amount that I talk about deleting dating apps and reconnecting with the world as a way to like meet new people, even, even friends, lovers, whatever. I'm going to have to challenge myself at some point to meet more people because Mm -hmm. I mean, not now for fuck's sake, but like it's, if I'm going to talk about this, I kind of need to prove the theory. I kind of need to demonstrate the, all the different ways that you can meet people. And it's, it's hard. It's a really hard thing, right? Like every piece of dating advice that you've ever read online tells you a million different things to do, like on a date or before a date or after a date or whatever, but none of them tell you where to meet people. None of them. Like, it's just not the one piece of information that single women want to know. No one can tell them. No one can. Because it's largely up to chance and luck and the universe and whatever else you want to think. But it's not, there's no formula to where you go to meet people. It just isn't there. Um, Also, I don't know why my screen is so blurry, but like, I'm not mad at it because I don't have any sort of facial flaws when it's this blurry. (laughs) I know. It looks like you're you're doing like an anonymous interview on Dateline, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So how did the cat hurt you? 
Um, okay. Well, where are you guys located right now? Where are you socially distancing these days? I am in Los Angeles in my apartment. I am about to finish grad school here, virtually graduating in June, which is a bummer, but there are bigger things in the world. Um, yeah, I'm in my apartment currently alone. My roommate has been here. I go to school with her, but uh, her family's in Santa Barbara. So she socially distanced, went up to see them and they've been really careful. So yeah, she'll come back. So I'm not alone forever. So I feel very fortunate, but that's where I'm at. And I am at my parents' house and uh, in Connecticut. I also did 14 days, you know, not going. They were actually went to my sister's. They were at my sister's house, whatever. We did a whole thing, kept it very clean, 14 days. And now I'm here. Um, and yeah, it's been nice to be able to like have a little outside time, but I'm also feeling some karmic guilt that I left in work. <laughs> I mean, it's real. It's the city has in some ways kind of emptied. It's, it's very strange. I'm in Brooklyn and it's very, very strange to see, like there's a, um, I call it a shit pile across the street from me. It's like this one location on the sidewalk where like the neighborhood knows if they drop large items there, eventually they'll get picked up. And like, there's always a couple pieces of crap out there, but during quarantine specifically, there have been whole apartments worth of shit and as soon as one pile is picked up, another one takes its place. Mm -hmm. Yesterday was the most insane I've ever seen. There were like so many chairs and a fridge and like all this crazy shit. It was like, how many people are getting the fuck out of Dodge forever? Like it's, it's really, it feels like, I don't know. It's just kind of, kind of emptied out and it's very strange, but um, you know what my question is like, the whole going to stay with other people and whatnot is if you have family and friends where you can safely do that, that's incredible. And I think go wherever you feel safe. I don't judge anybody, but a friend of mine today, I have a WhatsApp group of a few friends that are keeping me sane. And we've all been doing this since the like mid-March and none of us are together. And somebody was like, we're all healthy. Like, can't you just come up here for the weekend and then go home? And I was like, all it takes is one trip to the wine shop for us to get this. But that's even true for families. So like, what if one of you goes out to Target to get paper towels and is exposed and then comes back and then it's like, like how careful does everything have to be? It's so uncertain and scary. I mean, I know we're not supposed to drink bleach. I have a doctorate. I understand the ways of the world. Like that's not something that's true, but that's what happened today. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, I was perusing Twitter before bed last night, which is always a great way to get yourself to sleep and just, you know, had somehow missed that. And that was my pre-bed bedtime oh, reading. Don't you dare do that again. It was, it was a, it was the wrong decision. You know, I don't know. I think it was because I was so curious because I saw some sort of like Instagram post about Belish and I was like, what did he say? But rather than go to a trusted news source, I instead went on Twitter. But all of that is to say, very scary. Yeah. Um, and also to your point about, can't we just see each other? I have been perhaps the most paranoid among my friend group here in LA. I did my first, like go into a grocery store run yesterday. I was truly doing pickup groceries where I, it, I don't know. I'm kind of of the mindset of it takes one moment and then I don't want to pass it on to anybody. I think I'm relaxing, but relaxing in the good ways, not the bad ways. And it's such a tricky thing to figure out, especially when there's no end date and no information that's clear and coherent um, about, you know, what, what we can actually do with this time. And yeah. 
I think I'll be lucky if I get to hug someone by Halloween, to be perfectly honest yeah. with you. I really do. I, I only go into the grocery store because I'm alone. I figure I'm not infecting anybody in my home and that's okay. And I also can't get a delivery time to save my life. So there is no other choice. Like shout out to my beach backpack, who is the real hero of this quarantine, because <laughs> the bottom of it is a cooler and the top is a normal bag. And that's how I get my groceries home. Like without that purchase, 20 bucks on Amazon. And yes, I will link to it. And yes, it will be an affiliate link, get you a backpack. But like, it's the hero, the absolute hero. It's going to have to get burned on a fire when this is all <laughs> Right now it's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's horrible. We're we're doing, I mean, there's no my parents live in this sort of rural area and there's no, you know, you can't really get delivery here. So I've been the designated grocery person. We've been wiping every item down. You know, part of the reason of me being here is like my dad's 84 and my mom's 69. So I'm just trying to keep them away from the world. But it's required a lot of me yelling at them. My dad's been doing, my dad desperately just wants to go to Costco and I yell, have to yell at him every day. You're not going out for a year. You're not going anywhere. Like, sit down. You're not my, how the tables have turned. Truly, I can't believe how much I'm yelling at my parents and I feel horrible about it. But also it's like, you guys, you're both very smart people. You're not going anywhere. You don't have to love each other when this is over. You all just need a pulse. That's yeah, how correct. we get out of this. I don't care how mad I have to get at my mother. I don't give a shit. When this first started, first, first started, it was very much like an okay boomer situation with all of our parents. Like she's on board now, but in the very beginning, she got a sinus infection and she called me one day and she's like, oh, I have to go to the doctor tomorrow because I have a sinus infection. And I was like, you have to go where? And I screamed at her. And while I was screaming at her, my stepdad is in the background, like, already tried it. Thanks. And eventually she came around and she did a video conference with a doctor, got her prescription called in. And I think she, I don't know how she picked it up, but it was like a touchless pickup. But until I yelled at her and like kind of hurt her feelings, she was fully going to go to the doctor full of coronavirus patients, like without thinking about it. And this was before people were wearing masks. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah. I also had to just, I can join the club. I also had to yell at my dad. I was just, you know, come on, dad. Yeah. It's like, I felt a little rude, but he got it. And I was like, I can't lose you. <laughs> you know, I just appealed to. Well, I and think that's the card you play. Mm -hmm. That is the card you play at every opportunity because I think it's the only one they will listen to. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's a little bit of a dynamic right now where a lot of people in our generation are living in big urban centers and a lot of our parents are living in suburban places. And as soon as I got here, I realized people are taking it way less seriously out of big cities because there is a little bit of the luxury to do that. I mean, this was a month and a half ago. Now everyone's face is covered and people realize it's a thing. But when I first got here, I was like, it just feels like nobody cares. And I think it was a slower trickle out of cities and we had to kind of educate our parents a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm very jealous of people in Connecticut because it's very green and you guys have some epic backyards. And I think that they're lovely. I have never in my life contemplated moving to a suburb until a fucking global pandemic. And now it's looking pretty good, ladies. It's looking uh, pretty good. Yeah. But also maybe rent will drop in New York. It's not worth it. <laughs> my rent ain't dropping. There's no, are you kidding me? They but will not really come down one penny. Not in the near term, but in like a year, I think. I'm wondering if there will be an exodus from New York and no. less on apartments. It probably not, <laughs> but it just makes me sad. I you know. know when I moved from New York, 
a lot of people said, and it's very common, like, you know, New York will always be here. You'll always have it. And I was back last summer for an internship and it was, and the same places, even though New York already was turning into Starbucks and Chase Banks, you know, there were still, I don't know, I get really sad thinking about the major changes depending on how long this goes on, but we don't have to be totally dark. Here's one. Um, So as a single woman who lives by myself and happens to work from home, a common misconception is, oh, your life hasn't changed that much. I'm like, "Um, I wasn't taking a vitamin D supplement before because I never went outside like a fucking vampire, but sure, life's the same. Um, How, what's the biggest way that your life has changed from the before to the after? The during, whatever the fuck this Mm -hmm. is. That is a good Terry Gross level question. (laughs) I am so flattered. Um, I don't know. It's funny because I also, I work from home some of the time and I work in office some of the time. And before this, I had been working in office for over, for about a year and a half without much of a break. That was on two different projects, but it changed over in the middle of that. No, a little over a year. Um, And so I feel like I have some rhythm of like, okay, structure your own time, but it's been a while. So the biggest change for me was actually, I work full time and my full time is usually closer to like 50 hours a week than 40. And then we have a podcast and I also like, I'm trying to be a writer, (laughs) like a screenwriter. Uh, so I, my, my life in New York is so busy. I usually like right in the mornings, go to work from 10 till seven or eight. And then we have podcast stuff at night on weekends. Uh, for me, the biggest change is that I have not felt stressed for the first time in over a year. And I'm very stressed about the global situation, but not having day to day wake up and just go stress has been a really big change and a nice one. Yeah, I, mine is, I, so many things have changed as they have for all of us. I think the biggest thing, especially in this moment for me, I feel a little guilty not saying, you know, not knowing the next time I'll see my family who's on the East Coast or my partner who's on the East Coast, which that's all really tough. But I feel like I've kind of understood that for a bit of this quarantine or pandemic now. But for me, it's coming up again on graduation into what I thought was going to be a pretty strong job market after investing in grad school and leaving kind of a a non-traditional life, producing with Liza and being more creative to kind of, sometimes I joke that I sold out going to school. Like I'm very excited to be on the path that I'm on, but now it's like those, it's just, it's really scary because those jobs have disappeared, especially with the industry I'm recruiting for, which is entertainment. Um, you're going to be fine. I took the bar exam the day before the recession started. And okay. That's a, actually, okay. <laughs> you're going to be fine. I promise you. I was a firm believer of this before, but I really am now. Everything, everything you know, everyone you love, everything that exists is, don't hate me, temporary. Yeah. Everything is in flux. Everything is open to change. Nothing we have or love or possess is ours forever, nor should it be. The idea of forever and finality is a is a lot shakier ground than we ever gave it credit for everything is changing and everything is evolving and the more you can start to see that as opportunity as opposed to lack i feel like might open up at least at least for yourself and at least for your own like management of uh 
you know, thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. It's, I find that it's better to acknowledge that everything is in flux and everything is in change. Everything is changing and we can lose things and gain things all the time. It's more about how we react to those changes and learn from those changes and less about, you know, fearing loss or fearing lack. No, I think that's really important and such a great reminder. Liza and I graduated the same, we didn't know each other at the time, but we graduated right after the recession. And I feel like that opened up for me, at least after seeing people the year above me kind of graduate in a tougher market, it it gave me confidence to pursue a more creative route and a non-traditional route, which I'm incredibly grateful for. So yeah, just like looking at the opportunity. I think that's really, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the therapy. Like really appreciating that. (laughs) It's a service I offer all my friends. Um, As a podcaster, I love speaking with fellow podcasters, mostly because they have more reliable recording setups than me, (laughs) Um, but also because um, I'm just curious about why we do this. I get asked this all the time, um, and I have other people ask me, like, should I start a podcast? How do I start a podcast? All the time. My answer is always yes, by the way. Um, Where, I guess what, we know how your podcast started. We know how it came to be. As it continues, because you've been doing this for years now, what are your current goals for the podcast? Like, what do you, what do you hope that it accomplishes episode by episode? And what are your future goals for it? Again, so good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like our podcast from the beginning has been about trying to make dating, not this like scary monster. I feel like so much of dating is fear-based and I was always terrified of like the horrible things that were going to happen to me dating, not like scary, like horrible things, but just like people being mean and feeling rejection all the time and feeling bad about my body and the way I look and all of these things. And so I think from the beginning, you know, it started out as this experiment and it's evolved into something a little bit different, like a more general conversation about dating and connecting with people out there who are dating. But I think it's always been about like anyone should anyone can be dating and if you want to be dating you should and you have all the tools you need and it can be fun if you take some of the um less fun things about it with a grain of salt and with a sense of humor yeah i think and to be specific i think episode to episode of course after i went on my dates uh then actually my we recruited my brother who's like not a podcasting type he went on a bunch of dates and we had a new dater going on dates i think episode to episode it's been about sharing experiences and fears and hopes around being single and dating and being in a relationship with our audience and which is a community we have a secret facebook group as you do um And I think the goal was never to, because sometimes people will say, you know, I've been going on dates and it's not working. And the goal was never to make this, the overall podcast be about, you must go on dates to be in a relationship more to just say, let's re-examine all of the things that have told us if we're single or struggling in the dating world or not loving going on apps and meeting strangers, like we're not enough. Let's re-examine that and reframe it and try to, recognize that we have some power in this and so then if we want to go on dates we can go on dates because for me it was a true challenge going on a ton of first dates was a true challenge and getting out of kind of ruts with not so great guys that were in half situationships like just quarter relationships with me that was kind of my challenge but everybody has their own version of that the energy from which you date is so important 
and that desperation, this has to work energy or something has to work, like you have to make one stick, like that energy is is where I live in a way. Like I want to live where she is and I want to help her get the fuck out of there. That's what I want to do because I used to live there for a very, very, very long time. And when I got out, life felt all of a sudden so much more open and optimistic and more beautiful and not to be dramatic, but like worth living. Like there was so much of life that I had been ignoring because I was spending so much time trying to find someone. And the route to find them is of course, like the the most, in a way, the most abundant route is dating apps because Mm -hmm. there are just so many people there, but I don't need millions of dudes. I need one really, really awesome one. And I don't think he's hiding it in my phone. Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing that is shocking to me um, and we we talk about this on our podcast a lot, but that, you know, all three of us women from different backgrounds, raised in different households, um, downloaded this same notion. I think every woman I know has downloaded this notion of like goal-oriented dating until you find the love of your life who will provide you with all of the like emotional, sexual, financial stability, whatever, the whole fucking thing. And it I, again, say this a lot on our podcast, but like my mom's a huge feminist, many needlepoint pillows in my house growing up with feminist slogans, et cetera. I'm going to need to see one of those. (laughs) (laughs) She had one. My favorite was she had one that said in in needlepoint, this actually may have been in her office. Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did, but she did it backwards in heels. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could list probably like seven of her needlepoint feminist slogan pillows. Um, But I think that still, like, I wasn't susceptible, I wasn't immune to the messaging around what, how we should be dating and what we should be looking for as, as women. Um, And that's because it's everywhere in the world. So I feel like the idea of uh, having dating be a fun aspect of your life and a genuine search for connection with other humans, even if that doesn't end up being romantic or if it doesn't end up being like the one for you it could be someone you date for a year and grow a lot with and then decide it's you know we're like all about dating being something that is a growth process and can be fun and can be soul fulfilling just for what it is yeah as much as our our premise of our podcast you know 51 first dates let's rip off an adam sandler movie title like why but we did anyway uh that premise seems so goal oriented as well, but to be fully transparent and we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast, I knew I was probably moving out of New York within the next year. Um, I think for me dating, it was about a challenge for me, but it, for the first time in my life, wasn't about finding a partner as much because actually finding that partner made it tricky. Cause then it was like, I'm moving to LA because I got into grad school, et cetera. Um, but I get, yeah, to, I, I will be repeating what Liza said, but really just trying to reclaim dating if you want to, or if you want to ignore it, that's part of reclaiming it too. That's what we try to. I feel like the next time I go on a date and mind you, I don't remember the last time I went on a date. So like, don't hold your breath. But when that does happen, I'm calling you guys because I feel like it needs to be documented in some sort of productive way. Also, I need to like, 
I feel like I will be more fully present in the date if I know that I'm going to need to talk about it after, yeah. like on air. That's cool. that was a huge part of the equation too. Yep. I knew I had to go on the date because we were doing this podcast thing. <laughs> Even when we had a small audience, it was like, well, I have to do it. Like I can't let anybody down. Accountability, man. Accountability, yeah, which is really all I want men to have to deal with on online dating. And then I get back on it. But until, until somebody holds them responsible for their actions, no, thank you. I completely respect that. And yeah, it's dark. It's dark. Thank you. Um, what have you learned since becoming podcasters that you did not know before? Wow. Another good question. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't stop, man. I just keep running. And, and you shared questions with us too. And, you know, of course I, I didn't prepare as much as I should have. You prepared I, for like a fucking dissertation today instead, honey. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. Kimmy has very big plans after this recording is over and I'm very proud of her. Um, no, but I think the biggest thing I've learned is how many people out there have shared experiences with you that you might not expect. I think I've learned the most, honestly, from our very positive and supportive community. I think we're at a good place in terms of scale where we haven't gotten too much trolling and that energy just will exist on the internet anyways. But we have the listeners who listen have taught me a lot about just everyone has a different experience, especially when it comes to relationships and dating. And also have just reminded me the reason we keep doing this is that like sharing things that are vulnerable and embarrassing or quote unquote embarrassing. I was always embarrassed by my lack of like serious adult relationships. I do not actually feel this way, but there was a time in my life I did. And sharing that and being vulnerable with the different experiences I'd had with men, that's actually really powerful. So I've learned that sharing that is scary, but really powerful and can benefit not just my experiences, because I've benefited from learning about our listeners and their experiences as well. So I guess it's a really, really roundabout way of saying, like, how important sharing with a community via audio, sharing with strangers can be. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've learned that the internet and digital life can be great. I kind of always wanted to live in like 1973. I, I don't, I feel like a little bit I've always felt a little skeeved by like how digital the world is becoming, which LOL now because we're in quarantine and everything is digital. And if it weren't, it would be horrible. It'd be really, really hard right now without the internet. But I think that connecting with other podcasters like you, connecting with our listeners, realizing like we all have so much in common and that people for the most part online are kind and generous and positive and nice to each other. Like you do tend to see, uh, the, the squeaky wheel does tend to get the grease on the internet. You do tend to like the negative shit really jumps out, but we've seen so much kindness and positivity and generosity of energy amongst our listeners and other podcasters that we connect with. Um, and that has been just like a really great lesson for me to learn to stop being an old man who hates the internet. <laughs> I think that's a valuable lesson to learn. Yeah. I like that. I've, I've learned that uh, the word single, when you attribute that to your work and to your space and to what you create, no one wants to identify with that word. That word is very negative. Mm -hmm. And instead of that making me want to remove that word from my work and maybe give my podcast a cuter name or change, you know, what I lead with, it only makes me double down. 
because mm -hmm. I would rather change that word and what's attributed to that word and take away the shame of that word than change what I call my podcast or what I choose to write about. I have a bigger problem with the fact that people are ashamed to associate themselves with the term single woman. That's mm -hmm. a harder thing for me to face. But um, that's why I appreciate what you do so much. Um, a weird, like, a more self-involved lesson from the particular podcast we did was my biggest takeaway now being in the first serious relationship of my life is like, oh, it doesn't matter me being single versus not. Like I am, it, all the things I built up from society about being single, being bad are absolutely not true. Being in a relationship, I love my partner, but being in a relationship can be bad. Like, ah, uh, I just, I cannot believe with my, I had a pretty good education, smart parents who taught me to value myself, it took so long for that to click. Like I thought, like I changing the way we received that word single or especially single woman, that phrase is, I, yeah, really important. Well, what do we celebrate as human beings? What do we celebrate? We celebrate engagements and weddings and babies. Yeah. That's what we celebrate as human beings, as adults. Cause when you're little, you have a pretty decent celebration once a year for your birthday that fucking rules. Mine were yep. usually at McDonald's, loved the play area. That was oh. my shit. Um, and then it was equidistant from Hanukkah, which was, I mean, June 30th to December is like very Ooh. evenly balanced celebrations. Come on now. But once you pass the age where you could feasibly have a birthday party with like party favors, <laughs> when you age out of that, it's very rare that you're celebrated. Maybe once every four years for graduation. But Beyond that, it's like you don't do anything that anyone else is proud of unless you get engaged and married and pregnant. And that is very unfair to people who have no desire to do those things or have had a really hard time accomplishing those things. And that's very unfair. So it doesn't surprise me, even how we were raised, that these are the messages that we've internalized because no one has ever shown us societally that we are worth anything unless we do this shit. So yeah. that's why it's held to such a high regard. And I think that relationships should be held to a very high regard. I think marriage should be celebrated so much, but maybe not for the reasons that we have been celebrating it. I think there are other ways to applaud to people coming together and to like, it's like essentially like anyone can get married and it's like the biggest celebration ever. How solid is that relationship? Like how, what are they doing for each other? Is this like rich and balanced and supportive? And is there friendship there? Like what is the, we don't ask ourselves these things. We just respond yes to the RSVP card. It's like, it's almost like a, without thinking anything of it, but we have to put so much thought into, you know, how we're going to end being single because it's the worst fucking thing ever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, because I feel like like, so Kimmy and I, we, we made a lot of videos together and did a lot of comedy stuff together. And, you know, we threw ourselves a couple like screenings and, and, um, you know, a couple big events about some of the stuff that we made. Uh, and it's funny cause those things like feeling celebrated for something you've done and built in your career can feel so positive. And I feel like it, this is going to sound insane, my, you know, whatever, but I feel like it has lessened my desire to throw a wedding. It, 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 there's something about it. Yeah. Like you, we do as humans want to feel celebrated 
And it's made me like now, as I've gotten older, I, I try to throw or whatever. If, if a friend gets promoted, I try to be like, let's have a dinner. Let's go do something, you know, cause like things like that, it, it's true. They don't come along as an adult and everyone has that impulse. And I think that's why people get so wedding crazy because we all want that. And I, I think it's great to start thinking about ways you can do that for yourself. Even if it is like being like, Hey, I'm turning 33. It's not a big birthday, but I'm throwing myself a big goddamn party or whatever it is. (laughs) Can you imagine the come down the day after the wedding when you're no longer the bride? If like, this is the thing that you've been like the best day of your life and everything's been leading up to this. And there's like nothing to look forward to after that. Are you fucking kidding me? No. My favorite episode of Sex and the City, which I know is very near and dear to your hearts as well. Um, <laughs> <Especially> right now. <laughs> hand, right? Hands down, my favorite episode, her book party. That is my favorite episode ever because it was like they showed it kind of as if it was a wedding being planned. But oh, really, yeah. it was just like celebrating the book that she wrote, which by the way, the book that she wrote was just like a fucking compilation of all of her columns that already existed. This makes me fucking crazy. Do you know how many essays I've written? and published online and how many volumes of books could be compiled from that and Carrie got to do it and I didn't but it's maybe because she's a fake person and I'm not she's a fake person I want you to do it throw yourself a book party or put whatever throw yourself a hundredth <laughs> article or on on medium party or something I don't know let's make well, a mile that's a good idea I think maybe the hundredth podcast episode Ooh. yeah you should yes we like did not when that happened to us, you we were like, oh, that happened. Oh, we really had a day out. We were like, oh, shit. What if you just threw like a 273rd episode party? Like, and just made a really big <laughs> yeah. deal out of it? Just like picked an arbitrary number? I'm down. <laughs> that would be so cool. Because I am a self-centered hoe, what was the response to me on your podcast, if I may ask? Yes, it was incredibly, incredibly positive. Because as mentioned, um, first of all, you're just so wise and uh, articulate, obviously articulate, but uh, I think the way you speak about being single really resonated with a lot of our listeners who sometimes, again, I feel like I keep defending the weird premise of our podcast, but like sometimes get a little hung up on, I did 51 dates, it didn't work. And it's like, no, 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 we don't want to be saying that. Like as much as we're like, it sometimes works going on dates. Uh, so I think we got a, a lot of feedback on your episode of just like, thank you for having this perspective on the podcast, which I think again, I'm like, oh, have we been ever single shamey? Like, I hope not. But just a lot of, again, that shared experience because most of our listeners are single. Um, and I also think a lot of them have struggled with dating and being single in kind of a younger age, like college, a younger age range. So I think yes, hearing- I've noticed that too. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, whoa, like, you know, I think whenever we have guests on that are our age and we can speak to being in your thirties and single, like then it, it seems to resonate a lot with our younger listeners as well. So that was also some. I mean, has the phrase you're 22, what do you know about life ever been more relevant than when someone mm-hmm. super young is like, I just don't know if I'm ever going to find anybody. I'm like, honey, honey, <laughs> well, sit down next to me. The thing that's so tricky, and I wish I could tell my younger self this, is that that is also, I don't know, that's also the age when I was feeling my most insecure, you know, like college, your whole life is shaken up. You don't know anything, but you don't know that you don't know anything. And you feel like you're putting yourself out there and 
you're constantly vulnerable and it can feel like a really scary time. You, you I compared myself to everyone. And so when friends had boyfriends and I had never had a boyfriend, that was like, there's something wrong with me. And I didn't, you know, once I graduated, moved to New York, started going to therapy, started making new friends. Like that's when I started to be like, Oh, my life is fine. It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm happy. I'm having fun. I'm living the the way I want to live. It doesn't matter. Like people, you know, and that took a lot of years of like, of work on myself. But I also think it, for some reason, it makes sense to me that people in college have that fear because I did, because I was constantly like obsessed with where I was compared to other people because I didn't have any goddamn self-esteem. Thanks, therapist. Anyone? I don't think I had any until I was at least over 30. If not like yesterday morning, like I don't know where, like it's for the amount of adulthood that is expected of us by age 18, we are so poorly educated on how to be people. Yeah. Yeah. So much of high school was a wash. Do you know how much I would have benefited from a class in just self-esteem and like a lack of comparison to other people, or maybe a class on how to do your goddamn taxes. I don't know, something practical, maybe something practical. And they never teach you anything practical. All the way through law school, I was like, how does this apply in making money as a person, as a grown up? And they're like, well, it's more of a theory based three years of your life that you'll be paying for until you're dead. That's really what, that's really what law school amounts to. Don't go to law school. If you're listening and you're thinking about it, don't fucking go. That's the end of my rant. Um, <laughs> Grad school, though, I've heard is lovely. No, yeah. I mean, I'm also, you know, full disclosure in business school. So I was like, how do I maximize my network and like leverage, like get a better salary? Again, I told you I sold out. But like, I also, you know, I realized when Liza and I started our company that I was actually interested and I had not taken an accounting class ever in my life or a finance course. So the nerd part of me, like, really loved being exposed to that. But anyway. I'm so scared of numbers. I, the best thing I've ever done for myself is hire an accountant, like mm. a good one who know, who works exclusively with freelancers and really knows what he's doing in this space. Like I have a theory that like, we don't have to learn how to do everything. There are things that if it's, if we're not suited to it, like if you're suited to those finance courses and you are drawn to them, take everyone you can get your hands on, but money and numbers are very intimidating to me. I've never been closely connected with them in a confident way, but I am so connected with farming shit out to other people. And I'm like, you know what? You handle that. You're worth every penny. Yes, you are. Like, just get that off of my plate. Someone asked if I'm going to do like, um, if I would ever like record video of recording a podcast, Mm -hmm. the short answer is no, but like other, it's so fucking weird. Um, Like, unless you're Joe Rogan, like, why would you, I don't understand why you would watch someone record a podcast that you can listen to because like so much else is competing for your sit on your ass and watch time. I listen to podcasts when I fold laundry. Like that's, I just want to, whatever. But video is something that maybe I need to explore in the future because the Facebook live thing with my Facebook community was super fun. And I really liked that instant connection with them. Um, But I don't know how to edit video and I don't think that's a skill set that I need to have. I do. You can call me. Yeah. Liza's (laughs) a perfect. That's my literal day job. I might do it. Yeah. I don't really think we have to learn everything. I think we can like learn the things we're drawn to and delegate things to other people that we want them to do. But it's so funny because I also think in in, in the same vein of like, why didn't anyone tell us this sooner? I, I started editing video because I was drawn to it. I thought it was cool and fun. I like putting stuff together. 
And I, you know, we were, Kimmy and I were producing stuff and I realized we were spending a lot of money on video editors. And I was like, oh, I don't have a way to make money. And I like this. And it's turned into a career that I like and care about and feel is creatively fulfilling and pays well. And it was as simple as like, oh, I'm drawn to this. Let me explore. And that took a long time. There was a lot of, you know, it was, it was tough to build a freelance career. It took three or four years to feel comfortable doing that. It's not like it you know, with snap your fingers and you're there. And I'm still having security about it. I'm like, great, production's shut down. Who knows when I'll ever work again. But at the same time, to have a a, a career like that that I really like and care about and, and fulfills me is cool. And it was just following something I was drawn to. And, you know, I, I was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is simpler than I was making it out to be. <laughs> And same thing with what Kimmy's doing. It's like, that's, it's such a simple impulse, but I do think it takes a long time to like realize that that's a good way to (laughs) figure out what you want to do with your life. Things take time. We aren't born knowing everything. But one one thing, one shortcut I'll give this audience that's listening, the greatest gift a woman can ever give herself ever is a savings account. Save every penny possible, not just for a global fucking pandemic, but just all the time, a savings account gives you confidence to walk away from things that are not working for you or that are harmful to you or that are making you feel low and small. It gives you so much freedom and like the, just sort of like a very steady backdrop against which to move forward through life. So save every penny Get a savings account going, ladies. Everyone can do it. I don't care if there's a hundred bucks in there. That's a start. Just get a savings account together, ladies. Please do. That's my finance class for everyone. That's as deep as I go into finance (laughs) is just have a savings account. That's that's the ceiling for me. Somebody else is going to have to be in charge of everything else. Well, yeah, even, you know, I'm saying like I took finance, but I am, I want to be like in the strategy, like I want to be in on the business side of entertainment, but I am not a finance expert. Even like I, yeah, I need someone else to take care of. One day when I'm investing in like a great way, I, I will love investing. Oh, I fucking love investing. I have Betterment and it's like a video oh, yeah. game for me. I mean, it's my money, but like I open it up and it's just like, oh, what's it doing today? I mean, not now, not now. It's just a fucking horror show. Don't open it. We know there are certain apps we don't, <laughs> don't touch. We don't do certain things right now. We don't open Betterment. We don't no stand on the scale. <laughs> no, no Twitter before bed. No, no Twitter f- before bed. Fuck's sake. No Twitter before bed. And maybe at all. I don't know. I don't tweet, so I'm just a voyeur. Maybe never go on it if you're just like trying to get upset. Then go on it. Otherwise, don't. I used to use it for fun and sometimes still do. I mean, the only times that I'm tweeting is if I think I'm going to make somebody laugh. That's the only reason I ever tweet. But you kind of can't help but absorb the negative parts of Twitter because it's such, such a trash fire. Mm -hmm. But also... I, my mom is always like, oh, did you see this on the news? And I'm like, mom, how many times have I told you I don't watch the news? Are they going to tell me something I want to hear? Because I don't think they are. She has the news on all the time, kind of in the background. And she can't understand why I don't watch the news. It's because it scares me and I don't like it. And they just have horrible things to say. And also like, I don't, let's just say she and I don't watch the same channel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I feel like I do get some of my news from Twitter, but it's always taken with a, like a, rock of salt. (laughs) All right. What do I want to ask you? Oh yeah. Okay. So these are the the quarantine helpful questions that are the things you never think that you'll want to talk about. It's like, how do we distract ourselves and avoid panic attacks during these wild and turbulent times? Um, I don't like anything I'm watching on television. What do I watch now? 
you know, I thought I did think about this question in advance and I have been watching hot garbage. So uh, <laughs> I have been, you know, really into the season of Real Housewives of New York. They're out of control. Um, I am a late adopter of that show. I also, inspired by Liza, had never seen Real Housewives of any other city. So I started Beverly Hills because I live in California now. Season one, Kelsey Grammer's on it. Just like, so I'm not recommending this, just disclaiming my lack of great TV lately. Uh, but then something came up in a Zoom chat with friends about what people were watching. And I've already seen this show a while ago, but have you seen Catastrophe on Amazon? Mm. It's excellent. It's Sharon Horgan and Rob Delaney. It is the premise. It, it happens in the first episode. So I think this is okay without being a spoiler. Basically like a one night stand turns into something more, but not in any traditional way. I've seen the trailer for okay. this. It is three seasons uh, ended a bit ago. I think it is so funny and so heartwarming. Heartwarming, not, and again, like it's about a relationship, but in, I think a really refreshing way. And I really thought they did a good job wrapping up like a three season, like it won't disappoint you in later seasons. That was my also, Which is also such hard. a comfort. I'm so sick of watching television that makes me angry that I spent 10 hours sitting on my ass watching it in the end. If yep. like, I'm so intrigued the whole time, the contract there is that you're going to resolve shit in the end for me. And if yep. you don't, I will bitch about you on the internet until the end of time, because that makes me so angry. There's so many shows recently that I've seen. I mean, no one's worse than the OA. The OA is the worst ending I've ever seen in my entire life. But I didn't watch the second second season? Last season. They made the last another season. one? That's yeah. unfortunate. I don't think um, they are. I think people were protesting because they weren't. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. Good to know, though. Thank you. I need television that takes me out of the real world. I need dragons and magic. Mm. If a vampire's present, I'm quite happy. I need, like, something out of this world, like um, The Witcher, was it was so good and then i think the last kingdom comes out with its new season this weekend and i'm not coming up for air like once i press play like i'm not sleeping until i finish the shit it is so good witcher is a great video game too i don't know if you have any interest in video games but it's a great time to buy like a ps4 and play a couple games i, I love play video games since i was a child or like a college student at least it's another thing that like i moved in with a man and i was like oh wait a minute this is so fun um again i shouldn't I should have realized that on my own. I don't like it. But uh, however, oh, so speaking of that, okay, so I, I jumped to this through a couple links. One is that Carrie Fisher is in Catastrophe and I am obsessed with her. And I think she's one of the funniest people who ever lived. And she plays a great, like weird character in Catastrophe. It was one of her last roles, I think. Mm-hmm. But speaking of, so this is how I thought of this, but also what you just said. Um, I, I watched the first uh, the first, the original three Star Wars movies, episodes four, five, and six, which I hadn't seen since I was probably in high school. And I'm not like a big Star Wars person. I've watched the more recent ones in theaters because they're fun, but I don't like, I'm not like in, in the universe. I didn't watch Mandalorian or anything. Those three movies are so good. They're so good. So escapist and they're so funny. And they're so like, they're such good movies. Like they're quality storytelling, good characters, but fun all the way through and it was such a delight to watch those after not having watched them for a long time and they're on disney plus now if people have like that was the thing i was like oh these are on here watch that you should watch the mandalorian i know i really so good it is so good yeah i watched episodes 
I want, I want to go watch episode one, two, and three, which I know are not that good, but I haven't seen these there in theaters since I was like in middle school, early high school. The other thing I'm going to recommend, and here's the thing. I thought this was a trash thing to watch and I am changing it over from like the utter trash category to the sneakily good category. So this was a recommendation from Kimmy's best friend from high school who I've become friends with. Her name is Sarah and she's very wise and she always makes great TV recommendations. And at one point she was like, you should watch Survivor. And I was like, no, I'm not watching Survivor. That's insane. And then I got sick, like two or three years ago, I got sick and I was like, oh my God, I need something to put on whatever. I put on the season of Survivor. I think Survivor is a great television show. A, there's 34 seasons of it on Hulu. B, it is, you know, we all think of it. I am, you know, think of myself as smart <laughs> and intellectual and whatever. And I do not, this Survivor doesn't square with my view of myself, but I think it's an amazing show about uh, like human behavior and human interaction and the way people respond to each other. It is all people trying to figure each other out and playing mind games on each other. And there's like fun challenges. If you like sports at all right now, there's no sports and it's a fun like replacement for that because they do physical challenges, but mostly just watching these people interact with each other and trying to outmaneuver each other mentally and socially is so interesting to me and uh, fun so fact i've had a survivor contestant on this podcast <gasps> who kellen bechtold who is listening right now hi kellen love you hope you're doing well um she was on survivor and she also like i mean we connected online and she's just such a cool chick to like hang out with like this essentially because I, I don't recognize that name it's pretty distinctive but i'll investigate well there's 34 goddamn seasons of yeah. the show <laughs> it's like obviously it's a good show if it's been like hanging on this long also when I was in college me and my friends watched it religiously and on the first night the first episode we would all pick a horse and we would like bet to see who was going to win and like Ethan's on was my horse and he lost his season but like 100% it was like stolen from him so I've always felt that that Ethan should have won. He's my favorite contestant. Mm, yeah. That's fun. I've heard this season is really good too. I haven't watched since truly when it was on in like my grandparents, I feel like we're watching it and I'd visit them. I don't know. I need to, yeah. I, I'm inspired. The season that's airing right now is the 40th season. They do two a year and it's been 20 years. So it, the current season, it's all winners. It's 20 winners competing against each other. Ooh, so you I haven't watched it because it spoiled a lot of other seasons for me because I know who won, win all these seasons. Oh, but, if you want to just jump in, it's a great season, man. It is ferocious. 20 winners? That yeah. is some Hunger Games shit. That's insane. Getting crazy. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. Oh, Survivor. I haven't watched that show in so long, yeah. but I'm really, um, I'm really like comforted by the fact that they're still making it. Do they, do they go back to the same place every time or do they continue to jump around? No, it's all different. It's a lot of places in um, Southeast Asia and like Oceania. Whatever. Yeah. Like climates where you can sleep outside and not die. Yeah. 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 It's mostly <laughs> tropical. Yeah. Um, the, also the current season of RuPaul's Drag Race is banging. So good. I've been watching some Drag Race. That's been bringing me lots of comfort. My favorite show of all time. I, I want to watch the HBO show coming out. The drag show. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, those are some some really good high quality queens. 
on that one. I still refuse to give HBO my money because of the way Game of Thrones ended. And I can say okay. that out loud and still be pissed and still be bitter for the rest of my days. Just but I, 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 that's fair. Yeah. One thing that may, I don't know, I, the reason I think I may give HBO my money this month is I just learned that with their new HBO Max, um, there's an Elmo, a not too late show. Elmo is doing, I know, maybe this is just me. I'm so cuted out by this. He's doing a 7 p.m. late night show where he's the host and Cookie Monster's like the, the co-host. It's really cute. Google the trailer and like celebrity guests come on, so they must have already shot it. But like it's called the not too late show or something. And I was like, I'm going to cry. I need to see that. <laughs> so, That's very, very cute. So just just a, a, a hot tip of something I haven't seen yet, but looks really cute. I was a toddler in the early 80s. Those were my people. Same, like, ugh, I, yeah. The level. You know, when I was a kid, I was always so upset when Cookie Monster would eat cookies and they would fly everywhere. I was like, where do the cookies go? I was so <laughs> mad as a kid. I'm like, is the floor just littered? Like, what's happening? Because he didn't, he was swallowing. I was mad because I was like, you're wasting cookie, yeah. which tells us. We don't waste cookies in this house. Oh, no. yeah. I finally made Allison Roman's like the cookies. Mm, oh, I saw that. Yes. <sighs> All right. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I understand why they're the cookies. I fucking yeah. understand it now. Everything that woman does is so delicious. Her recipes are on point. Um, most of her Passover menu for Passover. And oh, cool. it was so fucking good. It was like, it was incredible. Everything that I've made from nothing fancy has been so good that I'm, I'm, I have a uh, dining in in my Amazon cart. I just haven't checked out yet. Um, but speaking of books, the next book on my list is Demi Moore's autobiography because I have mm -hmm. recently finished many other autobiographies that have been written by women, which is my current genre entirely. Recently finished uh, Jen Gotch's book and Glennon Doyle's book and Jessica Simpson's book. And mm -hmm. Jessica Simpson's book is the best book I have read in a year. And I think everyone should read it. Um, but Demi Moore's next. I'm so excited for her. That's supposed to be very good too. I'm so I, stoked. Yeah. Um, what are you guys reading though? Uh, I'm so embarrassed. I haven't read a book in quarantine yet. It's been over 40 days, right? I'm, I'm really embarrassed. That's I okay. have been having a really hard time reading. I, I started, I was three quarters of the way through a book when I, when quarantine started that I was loving, which is Circe by Madeline Miller. It came out like two years ago and I feel like everyone read it, but it's very good. I haven't finished it because every time I pick it up, like it, for whatever reason, reading is swirling me, my anxiety off into spirals. Really? Um, yeah. So I'm living about sitting with myself and mm -hmm. a book. Like I just, my mind can wander to the world in a way that TV isn't been letting me. Yep. I don't like it, but I'm accepting it. However, I've been listening to um, Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity. I'm obsessed with Esther Perel. Um, I brought, this is how, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I brought Anna Karenina with me because I've been wanting to read it, you know, like since forever. And it's like whatever, 900 pages or something. And I was like, great, this will be the perfect thing to do. It is unopened. It will remain that way. <laughs> I do not have the, my, the mental power or emotional power to read it. But good on you for acknowledging that it brings your anxiety to the surface. That's okay. Like if there are activities that just aren't working for you right now, you don't have to do them. I had to get good at reading because when I first started sitting down to read, I was buzzing absolutely buzzing but I sort of trained myself to look forward to two or three o'clock in the afternoon as like a half hour of reading mm -hmm. and now I really look forward to it I just do it in like small little increments I don't read before bed because I'm not quite fully my mom yet I just <laughs> cross that threshold um but it's just a little bit because I kind of 
I really like reading autobiographical stories written by women. I don't know why, but I've been very interested to know more directly from them, especially when they're like front facing women and we, we know what we see on TV or in movies or something like that. I'm, I'm very interested in their backstory these days. Yeah, I actually, so I have, I have been listening to Michelle Obama's book. I forgot because I wasn't reading with my eyeballs. I still hadn't gotten there and I was like, I'm going to listen to this because that counts. So that's counting. Yes, that's been good. And then I have three women next to my bed. Liza, I think you gave it to me and I still haven't read it. So maybe I'll schedule a little half hour a day. A <laughs> cup of tea also helps. You can incentivize yourself with a lovely cup of yes. tea. My yes. Best yes. Oh, so. um, Are you during cocktail hour or a book during cocktail hour? I've been having cocktail hour every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I have at my house non-cocktail hours, so like the one hour a day I'm not drinking. <laughs> Instead, last question I have for you guys: What is the first thing you're doing when we get out of here? I, I like this is the, probably the question I thought about the most, and I it's for me it's super simple, and it's I wish it was more grandiose. I am calling up all of my friends and going to Don Antonio's Mexican restaurant. It is dark. There are big red booths. It is near me. They have salty chips and a really good spicy margarita. And I am going to just sit there and eat whatever I want. I'm, I'm just craving being in a restaurant so badly. And like, I know we can do takeout. It's just, I want to be with a bunch of friends at a table. So that's my, and it's immediate. I could walk there right now if it were open. I, it's not that dissimilar. I want to throw a huge party at my apartment. I want to have a big party. I want to invite everyone I know. I want it to have be so full that you can't move. And I want to have a sing along, which is something we do at a lot of my parties. And I want everyone to get drunk and be crammed onto the balcony, drunk smoking cigarettes, which I don't recommend, but I just, these are the things, the New York things that I'm craving is like the, like everyone crammed in a place, drunk, having a great time. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm, I, it's getting me through on some dark days, just imagining the, the uh, goodbye quarantine party that I'm going to throw whenever that might be. Those are strong showings, ladies. Yeah. I also want to throw a party, but I want everyone to come dressed as the thing that got canceled that they love the most. Uh-huh. Ooh, look at that. Like I'm going to dress as a Parisian person because I was supposed to leave for London and Paris last night and I'm, I'm in Brooklyn. That's that's what Oh my I god. Mean. When you first like, got canceled, I was like thinking of people who got canceled. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'll dress as Louis C.K. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the ones that hurt you the most, you know? Um, that's way, way better and more <laughs> Wait, yes, Paris. That's the other thing. I just like I want to book a flight to Paris on the day <sighs> if possible too. Yeah. Just that oh. was a really sad email the day that my London and Paris hotels emailed me canceling my reservations and they were like, We don't know when we'll be open again. Like, we don't know anything. I mean, it was nice calling Delta and then just being like, yeah, you can have your money back because that's never happened ever. I know. But yeah, it was, that was a heartbreaker. I haven't traveled anywhere since 2018 and I was really looking forward to this. But I also am trying to remind myself that like, why do I see a delayed trip as a negative? Because what if the delayed version of this trip is so much better than it would have been going right now? Like maybe it will just be 10 times as amazing and it's there are ways to like 
like I was going to London because a friend of mine was meant to run the marathon on Sunday. And instead he is running a marathon where he lives in Dallas, Texas, just alone. Like he's just going to run around Dallas. And I think his friends are going to hold up signs in random parts of the city. And then we're going to have a big zoom afterwards to, to celebrate him. So there are, there are ways around it. And I think, um, I will, I will end this the way I began. Everything is temporary. Everything yeah. is temporary and changing and everything. I genuinely believe everything is going to be okay. I don't care what dumbass shit is floating around Twitter or the White House press briefing room. Whatever is, is coming at us, I genuinely believe that everything's going to be okay. And I don't think anything's going to shake that out of me. Yeah. And I think that also things being taken away from you can show you really like how much you appreciate them. I feel like I was in such a... I said earlier, such a haze that I wasn't really enjoying, uh, not a haze, but in such a, on such a treadmill all the time that I wasn't really enjoying things in my life. And, um, I'm the idea of throwing a party before this would have caused me so much stress. And now I'm like, that's all I want is to feel, you know, it's like, and I think that the same thing with travel, it's like, it sucks for it to be canceled. But imagine when you fucking take your first bite of bread in Paris, what that's going to feel like after this, you know? Thank you so much for having us. I truly feel comforted. Yeah. Like, I just, hope so. Thank you for joining me. It's this is this platform it has a whole new purpose and meaning during this quarantine. It is just as much for me as it is for the audience because I haven't seen or spoken to people in days, guys. Like it's been days. So thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me on the podcast. Um, I will obviously link to your podcast um, in the show notes for everyone who would like to listen to it and they should. What else should they know? Where else can they follow you and keep up with what you're doing? Totally. You can, it's at five one first dates pod on Instagram, but I think like our most robust community is probably the secret Facebook group. So you just write 51 first dates secret Facebook group. It's similar. You are all probably already a member of uh, a particular secret Facebook group. Um, we should have our yeah. Facebook groups hang out sometime. Just like I know. How can- Zoom. Yeah, that would be really fun. I feel like there's just a ton of overlap too. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, which definitely exists because we had some feedback actually. People who oh, already awesome. listen. So yeah. cool. All right. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe, stay healthy, tell your families to do the same, and we will talk again soon. You too. Thank you so much. Bye.